Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's another edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler, your congenial host, and we are joined today by a longtime friend and uh, and a guy that I trust when it comes to Blazer information, first and foremost, because he is and has been for quite some time. The Trailblazers beat reporter and insider. You catch his act on trailblazers.com. Of course, he also has his own uh, Twitter site. Uh, we'll get uh, that address for you as we uh, get to talk to him in just a little bit because you'll want to be uh, following him all the time because he comes up with news and uh, scoops here and there, and that's why he is a great follow on Twitter, and we're happy to have him on board today for uh, our podcast. I'm speaking, of course, of Casey Holdall. Case, great to talk with you. Wheels, it is fantastic to talk to you. Uh, it's great to, to see you, great to talk to you, and uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for such a... Uh, a, a warm welcome wheels. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm deserving of it necessarily, but uh, oh, I appreciate are. it. Nonetheless. Well, I know you're back from uh, a little respite and there has not been much of a respite uh, considering that we're kind of squeezing a couple of seasons together with the uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, the bubble season a year ago that uh, kind of took up a lot of the summer and then uh, the shortened season this time around, but they want to get everything back to normal again. And that will be the case with the upcoming season. But uh, uh, let's uh, let, let's talk about, first of all, uh, I, I believe that you are the only person locally that has had a chance to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with Damien in person. And uh, that's something that you did in Las Vegas in the, in the last couple of months. What was your impression first and foremost of his commitment to the Blazers? That seems to be the hot topic. Uh, people even seem to want to read into, even when he says he has a great commitment to the Blazers, people seem to want to read something else into that. You saw him face-to-face -face as he was making his comments, answering your questions. So what would you say his level of commitment to, is to the Blazers? And, and do you think it's changed at all from what it's been in the past? You, you know, I really don't, actually, Wheels. And, and, and I say that because I, I know Damien really well and have kind of talked to him throughout the years about kind of some of these issues. And, you know, for, for him, it's he wants to win at the highest level. And his whole thing is he wants to do it in Portland. And you're, you're exactly right, Wheels. He said, I want to win a championship in Portland way more than he's said anything else. But it's the other things that kind of get highlighted more. So, so that's kind of where we're at now. And, you know, that's, as you well know, Brian, that's just kind of part and parcel of working in a, in a market like Portland where, you know, the assumption is always going to be, well, who would want to play there? guys want to go to bigger markets, guys want to go to different teams. And so, you know, you, anytime that there's any kind of, of opening for, for something like that, people are going to take it. And, you know, Damien has given that opening a bit just by, you know, I, I think for Damien, it's, he, he wants to see the organization do everything they possibly can to win a championship. And that's really kind of where he is at. It's not, I want to leave Portland. It's, I just want everyone to do every last thing possible for us to have a chance to reach that goal. And I mean, that's something he's talked about before wheels, the idea that if I give everything I can, and if we go all in and it doesn't happen, that's okay. But let's, let's do those things to put us in that position to where we can say, even if we didn't end up winning the whole thing, and obviously only one team gets to win it every year, even if we didn't don't get there, let's say, let's not be able to say that we didn't do every last thing possible to reach that level. And I, I think that's really kind of where his head is at. It's not so much, I want to go somewhere else. It's, I just want everyone from 
every player, every coach, every executive, every person working on the business side, people in the arena. I just want everyone pulling hard in the direction of the Portland Trailblazers winning a championship. And I think that's kind of where he's at. And, you know, I think he's he's seen what other players have done in other markets and is thinking to himself, well, maybe, you know, it worked for them. Maybe it could work for me. So I, I think he's he's doing kind of what players have done in this age of, of quote unquote player empowerment, which is, you know, just using whatever levers he can to get his point across that like, Hey, I, I just, I really want to make sure that we are doing every last thing possible to win a championship. And so, you know, I think sometimes that comes off as, as sounding maybe a little more drastic or, or a little more negative than, than I think he, he means it to. And I, I'm not trying to, to put words in his mouth right here either, by the way, Damien, that's another thing about Damien is he's very, he's very forward with his opinion, unlike a lot of other people. So, you know, when he talks, he says things that other guys might not say because that's just the way he is. And so for me, it's like, let's just take him at his word on that. So like you mentioned, Brian, he's, he hasn't said like, get me out of here. You know, it's like, I just want to make sure that we're going to have a chance to do great things. And I, I think that's where he's at right now. So so, yeah, I mean, and that that has been the takeaway I got from Damien when I talked to him in Las Vegas. And it's been a takeaway that I've gotten from Damien as we've conversed for the last couple months, just about kind of the offseason and what he's doing and, and being with Team USA and kind of things going on in his personal life as well, his album coming out. So, you know, it, it's it, it's really more a situation where, again, I, I just think that he is trying to get across that, like, hey, we only have so much time to do this. I know that I'm kind of at the height of my powers right now. And let's, let's just do everything we possibly can to put ourselves in the best position. And I really think that's what it boils down to for Damian. Well, we know that he's a very loyal person and he had a great relationship with uh, the only head coach that he's ever known in the NBA and Terry Stotts. Uh, Did you sense that he was on board with uh, Chauncey Billups taking over as head coach? Absolutely. Uh, And he is on board with that. You know, I I think for Damian, he he's, I think he's excited to, to play for Chauncey. I think that while he, he does have, quite a bit of affinity for Terry. Uh, I think that, you know, he, he recognized that, as did a lot of people that, you know, that had probably run its course as you know, mo- most coaches do not coach for nearly a decade in the NBA. And, you know, at a certain point, things just maybe don't, don't come across the same way as they did five or six years ago. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, everyone kind of realized that, that that had run its course. And, and now with, with Chauncey, you've got a guy who, you know, has experience as a, as a player at, as a high level player at winning a championship at the position that Damian plays and CJ as well too. And I, and I think that, you know, a lot of this off season has been talking about Damian, but obviously I think it's important to remember that there's, you know, this is a 15 man roster, I guess, technically 13 men right now. And uh, there are obviously kind of competing personalities and, and desires on the team. And I think, I think everyone is actually excited to, to come in and play for Chauncey. And I know that, uh, you know, there was some reporting about, you know, maybe Damian would have preferred Jason Kidd, but I think he's always been on board with Chauncey. I think he's, he's excited to, to see what a new coach can maybe do for this team. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the idea that, that Neil has talked about, about, you know, bringing in Chauncey and, and improving as a defensive unit, I think that's something that the entire team is looking forward to seeing. And, you know, if they're able to, to retain the parts of their offense that were fantastic under Terry, which is, you know, one of the reasons that they've talked about kind of mostly bringing back the same core of players is because of how dynamic 
their offense was when everyone was healthy. I, I think the idea is like, well, if Chauncey can kind of hold on to some of those things while diversifying it a bit, while also becoming getting this team to become a better defensive team, then, hey, we might actually really have something here. So, you know, I, I do think that Damien is looking forward to that. I think a, a couple other players are as well. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's no knock on Terry either, because I, I think you, you talk to the players uh, up and down the roster, and for the most part, they're, they're all, they were really appreciative of the time they had with Terry, but knowing that, you know, things have to change if you don't have the results that you're looking for. And, you know, kind of one of the, the first things you can do is go a different direction in terms of coaching. So uh, I do think he's on board with that. I know he's on board with it. And uh, again, I, I think they're excited to see how the team can change or, or maybe what they could do differently under Chauncey after, you know, the last decade with Terry. Yeah, I know CJ found uh, interesting that he came out and said, Hey, uh, I've told Chauncey he has to hold Damien and uh, me accountable uh, for what we can do defensively, uh, what, uh, how we can improve defensively, because that will go a long way toward making the entire team better defensively. And Chauncey has been very consistent with his initial comments about uh, what his emphasis is going to be. And he's uh, mentioned defense many times. So clearly that's going to be one of the high points, I think, of, uh, of his first training camp. I really like what he's done in terms of the makeup of his uh, initial coaching staff. And he's already uh, been very, very verbal in saying that he's going to be depending a lot on Scott Brooks and his experience as a head coach. And I think that's a smart thing to do when you're a first-time head coach to have an experienced uh, head coach on your staff that, uh, as Chauncey said, you know, just, just to make me aware of the things that I'm supposed to be aware of that I probably would have no clue about never having been a head coach before. So I really like what he's done. Good mix of, of, uh, yeah, young assistant coaches, but also experienced assistant coaches with Scott being, uh, uh, the forefront of that. And I think he's going to be a big help to Chauncey in, in getting uh, him off to a very good start as a head coach for the first time. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at Portland's first 20 games this season too, it's a, it's a pretty difficult stretch. I mean, by, by some measurements, the, the most difficult schedule in the first 20 games of any team in the NBA. And so when you are a, a first-time head coach, and obviously Chauncey Billups has been through just about every situation as a player you could possibly go through, and having spent a season you know, in, in, with the Clippers, he, he's got some basis and, and some level, just kind of the, the machinations of being a head coach. But you're exactly right, Wheels. Having a guy like Scott Brooks, who, ha- who has been a longtime head coach, is, is certainly going to be uh, useful in that regard. And obviously bringing his own bona fides as a coach as well. But, you know, just to kind of figure out those things, I don't think any of us really realize who haven't been an NBA head coach, which is 99.999% of the population, you know, just, just the, the small nuances that I, I think that, you know, even those of us watching closely, watching on television, watching in the arena, who can even hear the coaching staff, like just things that you probably don't necessarily pick up on. And, you know, I, I agree, Wheels. I think it's a very well-put-together staff. I, I'm really getting forward to, to, to meeting some of these guys and, and Anisha as well as our first, first female coach. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be – there's probably going to be some room to grow, but I think that's kind of the whole point is that, you know, I, I think the, one of the ideas about hiring Chauncey is that, you know, it, if we can get on the ground floor of a guy who's just starting his head coaching career and can really take us somewhere, then, you know, that – is maybe a guy who we necessarily wouldn't be able to, to get maybe later on in his career. So, you know, I, I do think that, you know, there's, there's going to be some bumps uh, along the road as there is in any season. And again, starting with a, with a pretty difficult schedule with, 
you know, a new coaching staff and, you know, quite a few new rotation players. I think that's, that's going to be a challenge for, for any head coach. And uh, for one who, who is kind of getting his, his first taste of what it's like to be the, the head guy, it's, it's going to be a trial by fire for Chauncey. But uh, you know, I, I think that again, I, I'm, I'd be very surprised if there was going to be any situation thrown at Chauncey Billups that he would not be prepared for and, and not be, be up to the task to handle. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that shakes out. And, and, you know, if nothing else, it's like, I mean, I, I worked for the team obviously when Nick Millen was the head coach, but it's been a long time since we've had a coach that wasn't Terry Stotts. So if nothing else, it's just the idea of like, a change in kind of the way the team presents itself or carries itself or, or the way the coach does like that in and of itself, regardless of who the new coach is, I think is going to be a really interesting thing for Blazer fans and people like myself to watch this season. So let's talk about some players. Uh, obviously uh, the roster as it sits today may not be the roster that uh, will be uh, the same on opening night. There's still an opportunity to, to tweak it. And we anticipate also that, uh, haven't seen yet the training camp roster. The summer league roster, uh, as far as I could tell, uh, was filled with as many former NBA players uh, on a summer league team that uh, that, that I that I could I could really ever remember the Blazers having. Um, as you looked at that roster, as you watched the summer league games, uh, do you think any of those veteran players that were on the squad that are former NBA uh, NBA players, do you think they have a chance to make the preseason roster? and maybe even the regular season one. And if so, who might that be? You know, I, I mean, I would assume that that is the case just because they brought those guys in. And, and I mean, I, I think in one respect, you know, you, you bring in more veteran players and usually it's more kind of when, when a team is rebuilding during the regular season and not so much at a summer league, but the idea being that there's basically two reasons why you bring in veteran players. One is because you want them to play as veteran players for you. And two, because you're hoping that maybe they might be able to mentor some of the younger guys you have. And, you know, while I, I think that second part is, is applies, and I think that was something that they had even mentioned at summer league. The other part of that though, is they're only together for two weeks. So it's like, how, I don't know exactly how much mentorship or, or kind of showing the ropes you really need in that situation. So my assumption has always been that those guys, they brought them in as kind of a, a tryout to see if they would bring even any of those guys to, to training camp. And I think the fact that, you know, they, they, they obviously they have Yusuf Nurkic and, and they bring in Cody Zeller to, to be the backup big, uh, but they're still probably a bit short on a kind of backup center backup power forward behind Robert Covington. Uh, and so my assumption is that that's something that they maybe would need to fill still. And I think, you know, you, you have guys who are, on the summer league roster and Michael Beasley, who, who could be potentially be a guy like that. You had a guy like Kenneth Fareed, uh, kind of same idea, guys who are maybe small ball four or fives who, you know, you look at the roster as currently constructed right now. And you think to yourself, like, you know, there, there might be a need for, for a backup there. So, you know, my assumption is that those guys might very well have an opportunity to come into training camp and maybe earn a roster spot. Uh, I, I think there, there's still a few guys out there who are free agents, uh, who have been in the league more recently that, that maybe they might be looking at. Um, but again, I, my assumption has always been that you wouldn't bring in those guys for summer league, unless you had at least some interest in maybe seeing what they could do. And then maybe bringing them onto the, to the regular season roster. So I, I wouldn't at all be surprised by that. Um, the one other thing I would say about that though, is that Greg Brown looked great. Sure. Does. And 
The, I, dunk, the dunk of the summer league. That's the, for sure. the, absolutely no, no doubt. And, but for me too, it's like, I, I knew about the athleticism. Like I was a bit surprised though, about how good his shot looked like, yeah. you know, when, when he was pulling up for threes, I was like, Hey, this guy, this guy can shoot. He, he doesn't look like it's going to take a, a large reorganization of his mechanics to get this guy to, to be able to shoot a decent percentage in the NBA. So the, and the reason I bring that up is because, you know, Gray Brown does kind of play that backup four or five position. And if the idea going into summer league was we like Greg Brown, but you know, he might need a little time before we can really throw him out there. I, I think if you watch summer league, I don't know that you come away from that feeling like he can't come in and play some minutes in the NBA next season. And I, it, it seemed like that was kind of the consensus opinion was that, well, this guy's pretty raw. Um, maybe he'll spend some time in the G league. Maybe, you know, he'll, he'll just spend some time uh, coming off the or kind of learning the ropes as we've seen in Portland kind of young guys don't typically get to play a whole lot. I think that was one of the complaints about Terry Stotts though. So I'm guessing that maybe Chauncey Billups will, will be a bit more uh, open and willing to playing younger guys. So for me, it's like, if Greg Brown hadn't played as well as he did, then I think maybe you're looking more at Kenneth Freed, Michael Beasley as guys who maybe have a, a pretty good chance of making the roster. But at this point, I mean, if you're talking about like 10, 15 minutes, I think you probably go into the season just hoping that Greg Brown can fill that. And if you get into the season and realize, hey, that's really not the case, then I think you you probably maybe start looking at and maybe sign a guy off the waiver wire as a backup. But my kind of feeling is that the minutes that they thought maybe they were going to give to a veteran, maybe those go to Greg Brown now just off of the the quality of his summer league performance. You mentioned Cody Zeller. Um, he'll be one of the new faces, uh, free agents that have already been signed, uh, veteran guys that uh, didn't need to take part in summer league. Um, anybody else that uh, was signed uh, to so the Blazers obviously didn't have a lot of free agent money to toss around, but uh, of the guys that were signed, um, who do you expect to, might have the chance to contribute? Well, obviously, I, and I don't think this is necessarily the question you're asking, but obviously Norman Powell, a guy that they oh, were sure. able to resign. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I get what you're saying though, but I, I didn't want to short Norm there because I was thinking of new guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But obviously resigning Norm was, that was a great, the, that was a great move. Obviously the absolute move. priority of the off season and uh, you know, a, a nice deal and one that, you know, I, I felt like there was some consensus out there that that maybe, you know, losing Norm was was a real possibility. And I'm guessing it, it had to have been at least a partial possibility, which, you know, would have been pretty disastrous. So the fact that they were able to to re-sign Norm uh, at the number they did, a big number, but, you know, not not anywhere out of range with what he he's deserving of, I, I think is is obviously phenomenal. And that that sets the Blazers up for next season, uh, I think, more than than anything else could have. But uh, you, you talk about the other guys. I, I think a guy in Tony Snell, uh, a guy who. You know, it is not necessarily a, a guy who's who's going to come in and start, but but I think really gives you something off the bench that they might not have had before. Kind of a, a two three that they can defend, you know, all the perimeter positions and, and give you something, you know, a bit from the three point line. Ben McLemore, an, another guy too, who I, I think they brought in is kind of a sharpshooter. I think that, you know, one of the one of the deficiencies that this team has had, despite being such a good offensive team over the last couple of seasons, is that. You know, shooting off the bench has been, I feel like, kind of a, a long-term issue for this team. And so I think, you know, you see guys like like Tony Snell and Ben Backlamore, and it's pretty easy to see kind of what the team is hoping. is They're hoping that they can bring in some guys who can come in, soak up some minutes when Damian and CJ are on the bench and, you know, hit some shots at a, at a clip that maybe a bit higher than what they've had before. And you add those guys in, into a situation where you have, you know, Ant Simons and, and Nasir Little, 
And I think you kind of see a, a, a kind of real small ball secondary lineup that I think the Blazers are probably going to try to utilize. So, you know, I, I, again, none of a, not a lot of big name signings, obviously other than norm and, and you're exactly right. Wheels, not a, exactly a surprise because, you know, the Blazers, you know, as currently constructed, just don't have that level of, of cap space that, that maybe some other teams did. Not that there were a ton of teams in space this year anyways, but, you know, I, I think that, it's pretty common of what we've seen from Portland over the last couple of seasons is kind of value signings at or around the minimum for guys who they feel like can come in and contribute off the bench. And, you know, that I think that's, that's worked with varying degrees of success. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, but the situation that they're in is, is one where that's kind of the options that are available to them right now. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I do think that, you know, particularly in a, in a guy in Zeller, you, you bring in a guy who you're hoping can help shore up some of your issues defensively in the second unit. Um, and, and to to a certain extent with, with Snell as well. And, you know, Ben McMore, none, none of those guys are like hardcore lockdown defenders by any stretch, um, but guys who can come in and give you some minutes and and hopefully, you know, provide a veteran presence in that second unit when you have, again, guys like Nasir and, and Anthony who, you know, are, are still, they have some experience, but they're still fairly young players. So I, I think, you know, those guys are probably going to be playing together in that second unit and uh, we'll see how that goes. One of the great attributes of uh, Terry staff, I thought was uh, their ability to uh, develop young players. And uh, that meant a lot, of course, when you're a team that uh, doesn't necessarily have a lot of free agent money to offer uh, new people. So you have to depend on the draft. You have to depend on being able to, uh, to get young players and maybe uh, players that uh, aren't as uh, good as they can be when you initially get them, but uh, you can work with them and get them to be better players. And I really want to see what uh, Anthony and, uh, and Nasir can bring uh, to the table. I mean, we saw uh, flashes certainly from Anthony last season. Uh, Nasir even had some moments as well, but I think these guys both showed that uh, they had potential and maybe it's just uh, some additional experience, uh, some some uh, regular playing time, whatever it might be. I think these guys could really be, you know, when you talk about improvement, sometimes uh, people think about changes to a team as the only way to improve. And that, that obviously isn't the only way you can have improvement from within. And I think if those two guys can take a step forward in their development, that uh, can only make this team that much stronger. Absolutely wheels. And that's, that's really where I, I think the Blazers are looking right now as, as a way to get better. I mean, one, I think, Obviously, bringing in Chauncey, I mean, Neil stated it emphatically that, you know, he felt like with Chauncey, this team could be a much better defensive unit. And I think that's that's obviously one of the key areas that they're hoping will result in an improvement. But you're exactly right. Ant and Nasir are really the the next guys up. And if one or both of those guys can kind of take that next step, and you're right, I think we saw it from, from Ant a bit last season. Nasir, I think he was kind of on the precipice of that, but, you know, between COVID and, and some of the injuries uh, and just kind of the situation the team was in, probably didn't get the the time that, that he maybe should have last season. And so, you know, those are the guys who you really look at. And I think, you know, to a lesser extent, Derek Jones Jr. as well, as guys who you're like, if we could get more out of these guys, you know, we, that could kind of solve the problem of, of being a bit talent deficient that we necessarily haven't been able to solve through free agency. So, you know, I, you're exactly right in that, you know, one of the, the things that Terry staff did really well was kind of bringing players along and, and having them, them improve in the system. I, I think one of the ways, or one of the differences might be again, that, that rather than, than those improvements happening kind of in practice and behind closed doors, 
uh, I think maybe the team is going to transition a little bit more to those, those kind of things happening in games, because uh, I think that, you know, particularly in, in today's NBA guys don't want to wait around for a season or two in order to, to have their shot. Like they want to come in and play right away. And obviously that that's every player, but you know, when you have a, a longtime staff and you're working with them for a couple of seasons and you're still not necessarily seeing the, the minutes and the role that maybe you would like to see, I think at a certain point you're like, well, what's next for me then? Like, like how, how can I go about improving my situation if I'm putting in all this work and I'm still not necessarily getting the, the PT that goes along with it? And I think you have now with a new staff, you have one, a, a kind of a new approach to, to development, two, uh, just some, some fresh eyes who maybe view players a bit differently than the people that were working with them before. And I, I think from a player's perspective, you look at that and you say like, hey, this is maybe a little bit of a fresh start for me. So if I'm a guy like Nasir, who you know probably felt like he should have been playing some, some minutes and wasn't getting those opportunities, I, I think you kind of reinvigorate him a little bit because now it's like, well, this is the new staff. I have a chance to kind of make a new impression and a chance to show why I was drafted in the first round. And, and a guy who, you know, didn't necessarily get drafted, I think, where a lot of people thought he was going to coming out of high school. And now I think he's got a chance to kind of show like, hey, I, I, I'm better than what you've seen from me in the NBA because you haven't seen a whole lot from me yet. So I, I think that's an area of, of great improvement. And you're exactly right. Anthony, like has already shown himself to be a dynamic score from the perimeter. I think that now this is the season where you really want to see Ant kind of become a, a more rounded player and really use that athleticism that he has to, to kind of inflict his will on the game. And I think that's kind of something that you haven't really seen from Ant a whole lot. Like you've seen him have some success, but most of it has been from kind of coming off of curls and shooting three-point shots and doing it at a, at a very a very good clip and is something that is incredibly important in today's NBA. But that's also something that I think that Chauncey's talked about kind of wanting the offense to be a bit more diverse. And I think part of that is by playing inside of the three-point line a little bit more. And I think that's something that you'd like to see from Anthony going into this season because he's, he obviously has the skills and the tools. Uh, he just hasn't really had the opportunity yet. So, you know, they, they went into last season saying Anthony is the backup point guard. They didn't bring in someone else because they wanted Anthony to be the backup point guard. I'm guessing this season is going to be no different. Like I, I, I'm assuming that coming into day one of training camp, the idea is that Anthony is going to be the guy who's running that second unit. And you know, I, I think it's it's worked in fits and starts, and I think that now, kind of going into this, I believe his third season, this is really where you you want to see it. And so you're exactly right, Wheels. Like that that development is really where I think they're going to look to to take their next step forward in terms of, of really becoming a championship contender. Because you know, those are the guys they have, and and you need young players to pop to have success in the NBA because you can only do so much in terms of salary and, and whatnot. So. The idea is like, we need to get something from these guys before their prices go up exponentially. And I think this is the season that, you know, you're really hoping that the Blazers can get that done. So uh, we continue uh, with Casey Holdall, uh, the outstanding trailblazers beat reporter and insider. going to ask Casey a little bit about uh, uh, some questions tied into his specific role uh, covering the team. And uh, this is the Believe in Blazers podcast. We are uh, brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, visit their website today or use your mobile device to join. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next opportunity or first pitch, we're getting down toward uh, the baseball playoffs. And, of course, uh, football is just about to start. So it's a big-time uh, opportunity for you to get on board with Bet Online 
and uh, head to uh, uh, Bet Online. Start playing today, and you'll find out the opportunity for you to start winning some big dollars and also getting some uh, great sports betting information along the way as well. All right, so Case, uh, let's talk about some things surrounding your specific role and your assignment covering the team. Uh, you did get to travel some last season, uh, even though things weren't totally back to normal with uh, everyone still somewhat recovering from the pandemic. Now, have you gotten any indication as to what team travel is going to look like in this coming season? Uh, just kind of hearing things here and there. Um, you know, I haven't asked really a whole lot. I, I probably actually probably should. Um, my assumption is that we are going back to generally the same traveling party that we had before. But again, that's just an assumption at this point. Um, I, I, it, it was obviously, it was fantastic to be able to travel with the team last year. Uh, not the same as typical travel. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're basically, you're flying to the city, you're staying in the hotel. They, they really would have preferred. And I think most people in, in Portland's traveling party did, which is why we we're able to really not have any outbreaks on the team last year was to basically just stay at the hotel uh, and kind of live your life in the hotel, go out if you absolutely have to, but more, more often we'd just prefer that you, you didn't do those things. And so they'd set us up in the, in the hotel to be able to do that. And, you know, I, I think that, Obviously, with with kind of the the issues around the Delta variant, I, I think that the plans that the team and the league probably had even a month ago maybe aren't applicable anymore. And that's kind of just been the the main kind of takeaway from this last eighteen months in the NBA is that you know we can make all the plans we want, but really, kind of when the, when the rubber hits the road, it's the the pandemic and the numbers around the pandemic that are really going to define what we can do. So. You know, Wheels, I, I don't know that necessarily that any decisions have been made just yet about how that's going to look. I'm sure that, you know, obviously I, I know that they would like to get the broadcasters back out on the road. I think that everyone has done a, a really nice job with with calling games over a monitor. But I mean, Wheels, you know, as well as anyone that like you just can't bring the same level of uh, of enthusiasm and knowledge and and just kind of the, the aura of being live in an NBA game over a monitor. And, you know, with, with having a, a new TV deal with, with Kevin Calabro coming back, you know, I, I would imagine that, you know, they, they want to get those guys back into games live. And if the NBA is going to allow it, I'm assuming that that's the direction the team will go. But um, again, I, I don't know that anything has even been decided right now because, again, we're, we're still basically at the mercy of kind of how this pandemic is playing out. And while, you know, it would have been great if everyone kind of could have done what they should have done to get this thing squared away, that hasn't been the case. So, um, so I, I guess it's really a, a, a to be determined wheels. I, I, I hope that we get to go back out again, again, like it, it covering from my perspective too, like you can get some stuff in zoom calls. It's not like you can't cover a team without always being there in person, but you just, you can't get the same breadth and level of coverage talking to guys over zoom as you can talking to them in person. And even for someone like myself, wheels, who was able to travel with the team, like it was still very limited how much I could be around the players. So like even having a one-on-one -on -one with a guy at a shoot around, like that's, it was sort of okay. Like, I mean, and it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to be, 
I'm not going to be broadcasting how I'm getting these interviews. We might have talked on the phone. We might have talked over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> and you certainly didn't like, want to be the one to uh, to potentially, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden uh, lead to a COVID breakout or something. No, so, well, know, and that was one of those things too, where like the, <laughs> the the joke, and I don't even know it's really a joke actually uh, among those of us, you know, not not players and coaches, was like, hey, if any one of us is responsible for that happening, oh yeah, uh, just just pack your bag and go home <laughs> yeah, right. because like you are you're you're done. So yeah. <laughs> persona uh, non grata to be sure. Exactly, yeah. and I mean, and that's you know, obviously, if you can do everything right and still get get COVID, so yeah. you know, and, and I I think the NBA has did do a really nice job of, of mitigating those things. But it also seems like now too, that, you know, the, the team just announced the other day that if you're going to come to games this season, starting with preseason games, you either have to show proof of vaccination or have to show a negative COVID test within 72 hours. Uh, I am assuming that they're kind of working through still how exactly they're going to do all that verification. But I mean, if we can get to a point where everyone is vaccinated and, and the Blazers did have 100% vaccination uh, um, on their roster, which I think might have been one of the only teams that actually reached that last season, you know, if if they can do if, if, if we can get through a part of the season without having kind of outbreaks and having to miss games. And I mean, you see the schedule get released. It's an 82 game schedule. There sure doesn't look to me like there's a whole lot of room for replacement games if if they do have to cancel things. So right. So my assumption is that the league is banking on vaccinations and social distancing and protocols in order to have a season that goes basically without a whole lot of interruptions. And if that's the case, I would assume that we'll be back on the road. But I guess until that first game comes around wheels, we, we really won't know for sure. TBD at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wish I had a better answer for you. I, I wish I had a better answer, but uh, you know, it's just, it, no, it's just very are, possible. This is all still being formulated as, as we speak too. So now you had a wonderful relationship with Terry Stotts. Uh, you're an easy guy to get along with. So that's not surprising, yeah, but uh, no. have you, have you thought about uh, how you're going to try to go about establishing something similar with uh, a new coach at Chauncey? You know, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought wheels just because I, I feel like those things generally kind of work themselves out. And, you know, part of that, too, is just since things are a bit locked down still, it, it's a bit harder to kind of see a guy at a practice that you're allowed to go to and kind of get to know him a little bit. But, you know, for, for me, it, it's really more about kind of letting the new coaching staff kind of figure out how they're going to run things and then figuring out how I'm going to fit into that. And, you know, part of it is we haven't had a whole lot of press availabilities this off season. So I haven't had a, a lot of chance to kind of get in front of these guys. Um, so it's, for me, it's, it's going to be the same way it was when, you know, when Nate got fired and, and Terry replaced him, which is that, you know, you, you really just kind of introduce yourself, kind of explain what you do. And I think that it's a bit easier now than it was when Terry took the job, because, you know, back then it, it was still, a little uncommon to have someone who actually worked for the team covering the team. Obviously the, the broadcasters do that, but to have someone kind of writing and, and covering the team as a beat reporter uh, 10 years ago was still fairly uncommon. Uh, it is not that uncommon anymore. And I also feel like Chauncey having background in media, having worked for ESPN for all those years, I, I think, you know, gives, and the fact that he played for so long and from everything I've heard, had a great relationship with the media you know, a guy who, who comes in kind of knowing what the deal is and, and knowing that like there, just knowing kind of the realities of working in the NBA and dealing with the media. And, you know, obviously I'm a, 
I'm a, I'm a pretty soft touch guy. Like I, I'm not someone who's, who's gonna, you know, really throw the the fastballs or the hard balls at you. Um, I, I try to, to, to cover things as objectively as I possibly can, but also knowing that I do work for the team and, and do have a, a, you know, a team influence perspective. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that we can get to a point where we can have a very solid working relationship. And I'm expecting that. And same with all the assistant coaches too. Like even the, you know, we, I didn't do a whole lot with our assistant coaches, but you know, you develop relationships with them just because one, you're going to be around them a lot. So you want to kind of know the people you're, you're around and traveling with. And two, it just kind of helps you inform your coverage a bit because sometimes they see things or say things that, that maybe you you hadn't realized and are focused in on things that maybe you you should be focused in on. So, you know, it it is one of the things that that I'm looking forward to about the season is getting to know a new staff and kind of figuring out how they, how they go about their jobs. And, you know, I'm not really all that concerned about my job. Like I'll, I'll figure it out, you know, we was like, and, and uh, just from summer league, it seemed like, you know, everyone was was real open and, and willing to engage. And that's really kind of all you can, you can hope for like everything else you, you can figure out. But if you have a staff that is, that is willing to kind of, to speak honestly with you and to, to treat you a, as a person and to have a, a dialogue and a willingness to, to have some back and forth, like that's, that's about the best you could hope for. So, um, you know, and I had my, I had my scripts with Terry from time to time too, you know, I mean, he could, uh, Terry would, when he didn't like something, he would definitely let you know. And, and that's good. You know, <laughs> but like he was also what, very playful with you. A, absolutely. A lot of too. A, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and Terry could, uh, Terry could bust some chops for, yes, for sure. Can. And I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm expecting that Chauncey probably, uh, does a little bit as well. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be, uh, it, It'll be a, a good part of the season, uh, I think. And, you know, it, it's not something that I would look at as a challenge at all. Like, it's more like a, an opportunity and, and something that'll, that I, I'm grateful for, actually. Not that, that's not to say I'm glad people lost their jobs because I didn't. I'm not. And I, I really wish that we, I'd gotten more of an opportunity to kind of say goodbye to some of the assistants as well. Um, but, you know, that's also life in the NBA wheels. As you know, like, things can change quick and, you know, guys are here one day and, and gone the next, and you probably won't say hello or see them again until they're coaching somewhere else. And you happen to be in that town to, to play a game. So, um, you know, coaching changeovers are, we haven't had many in Portland during my time here, which is, it's kind of odd. Um, so it's just something that we're all kind of have to get used to seeing as how in basically most other markets, like every three to four years, you, you got kind of a new staff coming in. So, it's a, that's a change here in Portland. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually dealing with it. Now, a lot of those assistants have already found uh, jobs with the team. So you'll, you'll see them in different places and, uh, and I'm sure uh, we'll be able to catch up with them either when they come to Portland or when you go to uh, to their new city, but uh, case, great insights as always uh, really appreciate uh, the chance to catch up with you again. And I mentioned that uh, everybody of course can catch uh, your great uh, writing, your great interviews on trailblazers.com, but as to a regular follow on Twitter, uh, tell them how best to do that uh, by giving them your Twitter address. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, if you dare. Uh, and if you don't, I really, I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> at Seahold, uh, I, I took that account back when uh, your the number of characters in your username applied towards the 140 characters you had. So I kept mine short on purpose. Um, and it's also... Shamika Holdsclaw. Uh, I often get. Is it really? Uh, hers is Seahold <laughs> One. Uh, so a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but every now and then, I will get DMs or I'll I'll get tagged on comments, and I was like, 
you guys are probably looking for uh, Shamika, which I always thought it was interesting that there are two sea holds. And yeah. while maybe she, she gets your stuff too every now and she then. obviously has a much closer tie to basketball than I do that, that both of us happen to to be in that industry, which I've always thought was and maybe one or two, one, one or two extra followers potentially than, than you do. But, but uh, I know that your legion uh, of followers rival just about anybody. I actually think I maybe have more followers than Shamika Holtz. Do you really? Does okay. Wheels, so uh, right. not, not to pat myself on the back. No, too much I, 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 I sure change you. My bad. My bad. Yeah, well, I, I, I just said that now and I'm going to go look and, and maybe I'm wrong about that. But I also want to say uh, Instagram as well. Uh, yes. If you're someone who's interested in kind of the behind the scenes of the team, if you have any interest whatsoever in sneakers, uh, yes. that's the place you to follow me as well. Sneakers. So, yes. uh, it's just Casey Holdall, C-A-S-E-Y-H-O-L-D-A-H-L on Instagram. Um, so check me out there as well. And, and obviously, uh, follow all the trailblazer accounts, uh, great stuff on, on the team accounts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, great stuff there. Our, our staff, Amara, Fernando, Bruce, all Aaron, all do great stuff there. So, um, so if, if I was going to tell you to follow anyone, I would say follow those accounts first. But uh, then if you if you want to supplement that a little bit, uh, check out your boy Casey. Ah, you're being you're being uh, being bashful as always, but uh, but uh, but modest uh, you do not need to be. Uh, but we know that uh, with uh, uh, coming toward uh, Labor Day, that's kind of always the the holiday that uh, yeah, seems to yeah. indicate that you know the guys are going to come back and get in some uh, some a run and maybe even do so sooner than normal at uh, the practice facility, uh, get in some, uh, some pickup games and so forth. Damien's always been very good about organizing that. And then uh, before too long, it'll be the organized practices. And uh, gosh, another season is, uh, is almost upon us. So, so uh, get, get a little more rest and uh, you'll be busier than, uh, than, you, uh, than you know, uh, and probably busier than you have been in some other seasons, getting used to a whole new staff and a whole new group of players, but ought to be fun. Uh, new things are, are often very interesting and it, it promises to be an interesting season, I think. So uh, we'll be certainly following all of it through uh, your eyes and, uh, and, 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 uh, and also the opportunity for you to uh, provide the great writing that you do as well, and including the great interviews too. So again, case, thanks for uh, spending some time with us on the podcast today, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you once the season gets underway. I, I really appreciate it, Wills. And yeah, it's a, uh, it should be an interesting one. Uh, a lot of, a lot of changes here. So, uh, I mean, even if, if you felt like it was getting kind of stale, which I think I, I, I think there was some kind of some people felt like the team had maybe kind of reached a, a point where it was what it was. Uh, this year will definitely provide opportunities for it to be something different. So I, I would definitely check it out if I were you. There's Casey Holdall, Trailblazers uh, beat writer and uh, insider. And uh, he joins us today. Our thanks again for providing uh, the great insights that he did on this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Wheeler. Uh, joining us in the near future, Lamar Hurd will be with us. Uh, we'll find out what it's like to have his partner back on board, Kevin Calabro, and all the things that he's looking forward to with the season fast approaching. I'm Brian Wheeler. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast. And uh, we'll get in touch with uh, Lamar and be back with you with another great interview before too long. So stay tuned for information when that interview will be up and running uh, sometime, I'm sure, within the next week or so. Until then, so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.